really sing. <laughs> la, 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 la. Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. The Sports Blog New York podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, as well as Google Play. If you do not do so already, don't forget to subscribe to this very podcast and more importantly, to rate and review it because we love doing this podcast and nothing makes me happier than hearing your guys' feedback, whether it be via Twitter at SportBlogNYC or my personal Twitter at PeteKennedy2Wise on the end. But don't forget to rate and review iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play. Tell us what you think about what we cover. Tell us what you think about the podcast, about me, everything in between. But this episode, we got NBA free agency. Gordon Hayward and all the dominoes that came before and the dominoes that came after. But first... How about a word from our presenting sponsor? Wooter Apparel is the number one shop for custom uniforms and apparel. It has the lowest prices, two to three week turnaround, every sport and any design you can imagine. Fully customizable team uniforms and apparel. Wooter Apparel empowers teams and athletes around the world by offering the best sublimated uniforms and apparel at unbeatable prices. Now follow them on Twitter at Wooter Apparel as well as Instagram and Facebook. And that's at Wooder Apparel. And check them out at WooderApparel.com. Best part is discount code SBNY at your purchase for a special discount. And that's discount code SBNY. But again, I'm Peter Kennedy here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. We got so much to talk about today. But first, let me wish you guys a happy 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you guys had fun throughout this long weekend. Hopefully you had some days off on Monday and Tuesday. I know I did. I know I spent some time at the beach, down the shore. Fantastic. Very happy about it. Not so as much to be happy about being back at work. But hey, hopefully you guys had safe travels. You had a good time. And, uh, you know, enjoyed being off from work if you were lucky enough to have that, uh, that luxury. But in the midst of the 4th of July and the barbecues and the going out at night and seeing family and drinking some drinks... NBA free agency and the NBA Summer League were in full action. Now, in free agency, the one big move we were all waiting to see was Gordon Hayward. And where would this all-star take his talents? Would he stay in the place that drafted him in the top 10 at a Butler with the Utah Jazz? Would he go to Boston and play with his old coach from Butler in Brad Stevens? Or how about the wild card? The, the town that took away LeBron James, would Gordon Hayward go to South Beach? That one always seemed like a little bit of a long shot, but didn't much matter because Gordon Hayward is teaming up with his old college coach in Brad Stevens, and boy, some dominoes fell before Gordon Hayward announced his decision. The rest of the dominoes will fall now that he officially made it because the West has won this free agency, right? Like, let's be real here. Let's remember the West came out on top already. But there's these little pieces now. The Otto Porters of the world who now announces he's going to sign with the Nets, but he's restricted, so maybe the Wizards will steal him back and match that salary. Dion Waiters seems like a nobody, but he's the biggest piece now available. So there's all these little names that we're going to get into on who's going to fall and who's going to go where after Gordon Hayward, the biggest free agent of the year, decided to go to Boston. Other things that we're going to talk about today, of course, the East versus West. What does this mean? Because there's been so much talk about the NBA of, is it in a good place? Is it in a bad place? Are super teams good? Are they even a real thing? What's going on with tanking? Oh, there's so many discussions about the NBA in a positive light, in a negative light, everything in between. So we'll talk about that. But we're going to talk about some of the actual names, uh, new, we'll say same names, new teams or uh, same faces, new places, I think is the uh, word that goes around for that. But J.J. Redick into Philadelphia, Paul Millsap into Denver. We mentioned Otto Porter maybe heading to Brooklyn. George Hill and Zach Randolph to Sacramento. Paul George in Oklahoma City. All these exciting storylines, rookies come into the league. There's a lot going on in the NBA. And no matter what you think about maybe how good one team did or how bad another team did, the one thing I think we all have to sit here and recognize 
is that the NBA offseason owns this time of year. Yeah, maybe you're out there listening and saying, the MLB is in full swing. The Yankees are doing this, the Mets are doing that. Or maybe you're not a Yankees or Mets fan, which uh, in this very moment would be a good thing because the Mets are gone. They're trash right this at this point. Yankees are in a serious, serious slump. And, I mean, maybe you're a fan of a random team uh, in the MLB, a different one. Maybe you're from there. you got to admit that the MLB doesn't carry as near as much excitement as the NBA and the NBA offseason and the NBA draft. So say what you want about Super Team this, Super Team that. Let's all recognize that this NBA offseason, the draft, and now free agency, own this part of year. And goddamn is it electric. I don't know about you, but I was on the beach this weekend, and I found myself two times going to my phone to physically watch a summer league game. I was like, you know what, I'm just hanging out. I just took a little nap. Maybe I was in the water for a little bit. Let me check out how the Knicks are doing in summer league. Now, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm the crazy one. But even if you're not one who's going to watch summer league because I'm an animal and I do weird stuff like that with the NBA, I better believe that you're out there checking Twitter seeing what Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Terrania, however you say his last name, what they're tweeting about of who's going where. And has Gordon Hayward made a decision yet? Where's Paul Millsap going to go? All these names, all these places. What's going on here? How does the East have nobody and the West just gets more and more stacked? Jimmy Butler's in Minnesota. Paul George is in Oklahoma City in the West. Chris Paul stayed in the West. Gordon Hayward, the smart one maybe here, going out East. Because let's think about some of these forwards now. Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Gordon Hayward, where are you making the all-star team again in the West? And that's why I think basketball-wise, though I love Utah, and if you listen to this podcast, you know I love Utah. I think they're a great team. I think they'd be a playoff team still. I think they still might be, which we'll get into. But Gordon Hayward is now a top-five player in the East and in the West, he might be a top 15, top 20 player. Now that is strange. When can you have said in the past, one player is a top 5 player in the East, a top 15 or top 20 player in the West? That's a big difference. That's a big difference. So what does that mean? Mm, I don't know. We're going to have to get into that because eight teams make the playoffs from both sides this year. And that's going to make the West awfully interesting when we see the teams like the Grizzlies who have been there year in, year out. When we see teams like Oklahoma City maybe take a step forward. When the Timberwolves are now going all in to make the playoffs. The Rockets didn't take a step backwards. The only team that took a step backwards now, the Jazz and the Clippers. Jazz, though. Can you see them still competing with the likes of the Timberwolves? Maybe. Like so Oklahoma City, I don't know. A lot of firepower down there in Oklahoma now. But even teams like the Sacramento Kings, you have to like what they're doing now. Think about all those players out there in the West. Everybody on the Warriors, that's four guys. Steph Curry, Clay, Kevin, Draymond. Jimmy Butler, Carlton Towns, Andrew Wiggins. And then you got Russell Westbrook, Paul George. And then how about Houston, Chris Paul. James Harden. Like, come on. These names go on and on in the West. It's crazy. It really is. And it'll be interesting when these teams are all fighting to make the playoffs. Who's going to get left out? Who's going to have the short end of the stick? All-star time, too. It's going to be crazy. So there's been all this talk about the super team and how's it going to affect the NBA. What I saw from the Western Conference GMs, and you know, ones here and there in the East, but mostly the Western Conference, they're not acting scared. They're keeping the future in mind, and they want their team to be set up in three to five to seven to ten years. But they're still trying to win games right now. And for all the complaining I heard from non-NBA fans or NBA fans who have a bad taste in their mouth, 
about two teams this, two teams that. You got to look at Daryl Morey in Houston. You got to look at Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota. Even Sacramento taking in George Hill and Paul Millsap. You don't take in George George Hill and Paul Millsap if you're not trying to make the playoffs. These Western Conference GMs are shooting their shot. They're trying to get better. They ain't tanking. They know that tanking is not a home run. You're not going to just say, all right, let's tank. We're going to be bad for some years. And all of a sudden, we're going to be great. We're going to win games. We're going to be in championships. No. These GMs in the West realize that's not how it works. It's not that simple. Let's shoot our shot. Let's go after free agents. Let's make moves. Let's make trades. Let's try to win basketball games. So I don't know about you. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on my Twitter, at Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end. Are you excited for this upcoming NBA season now? Because I look at this offseason so far. I look at teams in the draft and free agency, and I see teams trying to win games, trying to get better. Now, do I think the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to walk into the season and compete with the Warriors? No. That's not what I'm saying. And if you think I'm saying that, get your head on straight. No one's saying that. The Warriors probably have had the best offseason yet. Getting back Kevin Durant for $9 million less. Keeping Steph Curry for a Supermax. Keeping Andre Iguodala. Now having some flexibility. Maybe they're going to get Jamal Crawford. Like, come on, they're doing great. No, I'm not saying that. But when you look at Houston, Minnesota, Sacramento, other teams that are slipping my mind at the very, very moment, these teams are getting, trying to get better. They're trying to win. Oklahoma City trying to get Paul George. They're trying to win, and that should make for an exciting season. So let me know what you think. At Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end on Twitter. Hit me up. Tell me if I'm crazy, if I'm excited for this NBA season blindly, or if I have real thought behind this. Because the one thing I try to do on this podcast is try to give you my real opinion. And not just give you my real opinion with nothing behind it. I try to tell you something, try to make you think, try to make you learn, and try to back it up. And I... I, The biggest insult I could ever get is if someone says I was unable to back it up or didn't try, even worse, didn't try to back something up. So I'm going to give you what I feel. I'm going to give you my opinion, keep it real, and I'm going to try to back it up with thoughtful insight and evaluation. So let me know what you think about that. Enough, A little bit about the East and West there, so enough on that for the very moment. Let's talk specifically now about Gordon Hayward going to the Boston Celtics. They got this man as an unrestricted free agent. This is a team that was clearly the second best team in the Eastern Conference just this past season. And what have they done since that very, very point? Kept all the key cogs that they had. Drafted a guy in Jason Tatum at number three, who, if you listen to our recent podcast, I may have said that I don't love him too much. But I peep, <laughs> I've seen him play. I peeped him out in the summer league. Guy looks like he can score. Guy looks like he can be a player. Maybe I'm down on him a little bit. And I'm not going to just retract my statement and say, oh, now he's the second coming. No. The guy's going to be able to do a lot of good things in the NBA. And he just got added to a top team in the now weaker Eastern Conference. At least relative to the West. And then what else did they do? They have Jalen Brown one year later. To who, if you've seen him in the summer league, and I'm not going to draw too much in the summer league, he was a man amongst boys against those first, second, third-year players out in the summer league in Utah. Man amongst boys. So he's a year ahead. Tatum's now in the league on the Celtics. And then they just added Gordon Hayward, who let's talk about him for a second. Now, if you think that I'm going to sit here and back up my man Gordon Hayward just because I was a fan of the Utah Jazz and I have been most of my life behind my New York Knicks, of course. I always root for the Jazz. I don't know why. Couldn't really tell you. I've liked them for a long time. But this is nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about Gordon Hayward. There's guys in the NBA who take time to get good. You think about John Wall. Think about Kemba Walker. You even talk about Kyle Lowry, and many, many more. Maybe they start off not great, but they get numbers, they're getting time. You see that they have some skill, 
Gordon Hayward was like that as well. You know, he was a rookie, played 17 minutes a game, averaged only five points, wasn't a big part of the team. And then slowly but surely, year in, year out, this man, Gordon Hayward, consistently improved in every meaningful category. That doesn't just happen, people. That happens for talented people. Players in this league who have skill, who are multifaceted, they get better and better and better. Gordon Hayward's going to be 27 this year. If you don't think he's going to make the Boston Celtics that much better, make them compete with Cleveland this much more, you're crazy. Because if you think he peaked at 26, you don't understand the NBA. You don't get it. You don't see who's actually winning games in this league. Look at the Timberwolves. Prime example. Carlton Towns is everybody's favorite young player in the league. If you were going to draft a team right now, how many people would say, give me Carlton Towns first? I would consider it. Guy's amazing. He shoots threes. He can defend. I mean, he has work to do on the defensive end, learning-wise. He's got the skill. He can pound down low. He can rebound. My dude averaged over 20 and 12 as a sophomore in this league. Second-year player. Didn't translate to winning games. The men who win games in this league have been around. They've grinded for five, six, seven years to make their first all-star team. Why do you think Paul Millsap just got paid in Denver? Because he worked and worked and worked to earn his all-star back-to-back appearances. And now Gordon Hayward made his first. He averaged 22 points, five and a half rebounds, and almost four assists. That is the sign of a guy. After you went from five points, 12 points, 14, 16, 19, 19, 22, who's getting better and better and better. Now he made his first all-star team. Now he knows what it feels like to be a top dog in this league. Be the best player on a team to make it into the second round of the playoffs. Joining a team who he is now the best player on. Don't give me this Isaiah Thomas. Gordon Hayward is the best player on the Boston Celtics. And now he's joining a team who just went to an Eastern Conference Finals. Gordon Hayward was technically the featured scorer of the Utah Jazz. Technically. But they played such a style where they didn't have a go-to scorer all the time. And if you watch them in the playoffs, Joe Johnson became that guy on occasion, which was a sight to see. Gordon Hayward, or in the right system, which he plays to the system, which is underrated in this league, can make a huge impact here. And I'm excited to see it, even though, you know, the Celtics are going to beat up on my Knicks uh, pretty much every single time they play this year. Not going to deny that fact. But we now have another team in the East who can look the Cavaliers in the eyes and say, let's do this. Because let's think about the playoffs. What was the reasoning behind the lack of parity in the Eastern Conference specifically? No one really competed with the Cavs and LeBron. Jalen Brown was a rookie. What was he going to do on LeBron? Jay Crowder just isn't that good. He's an average to good player. He's, what's he going to do with LeBron? Now there's an all-star looking him in the eye. Now there's a sophomore in this league in Jalen Brown, two-year player, looking him in the eye as a mix-up. Now Jay Crowder's the third option against this man. That means something. Different looks, different abilities. It's different. Who am I picking? I'm still picking the Cavs. They're gonna, as of now, I have no reason to believe they're not going to beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. But let's see how this, this season starts off. Let's see how they move. Let's see how the Celtics play together. Because there is reason to believe that the Cavs weren't exactly as good as we thought they were. That might be because the Warriors were so good. But let's take this for what it's worth, and let's look at it with some optimism. This makes the Celtics a better team. The Celtics on a night could compete with the Cavs. Now on a few nights, they should be able to compete with the Cavs. And I'm excited to see it happen. So good for Gordon Hayward. I know that must have been such a tough tough decision for him because yeah on one hand his old college coaches in Boston he loves that man Utah treated him well they built a good team around them in Utah they made it to the second round this year 
in a stacked Western Conference with stud players in Kawhi Leonard, who I forgot to mention before, I guess, when I was mentioned in the top players in the West. Kawhi Leonard's out there. James Harden's out there. The Warriors are out there. Russell, Paul George, Jimmy, Towns, Millsap, Nikola Jokic. The names go on in the West. And now Gordon Hayward is in the likes of LeBron, Giannis Antetokounmpo, John Wall, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward. Give me guys in the East who compete with any of them. Those are the best players right there. Those are the best players. Gordon Hayward went from a name who's very good in the the West to a top dog in the East. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. I'm excited to see him, if he can take one more step forward and another one after that. Because all he's done from age 20 to 26 is get better. And if you understand basketball any bit at all, 26 to 30 is where you really, really take off. And let's see if Gordon Hayward can do the same. But let's not forget about our presenting sponsor here at the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. We got Wooter Apparel. Don't forget to check them out at Wooter Apparel on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole nine, as well as WooterApparel.com. Use discount code SBNY at your purchase for a special discount depending on your purchase. But goddamn, there's so much more to get to in NBA Free Agency. I'm happy to have you in. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. Spent about 20 minutes or so there talking about a little East versus West action, a little bit of a Gordon Hayward ripple effect. What does he mean to the Celtics, to the East, to the West? Must have been a tough decision for the man. But basketball-wise, you got to say, going East was the clear right decision. We'll see how it pays off for him there. And real quick before I talk about things regarding the Knicks, the Sixers a little bit out East, and then you know the Timberwolves and Paul Millsap and George Hill and the Kings and what the Kings are trying to do, I just want to mention that watching Summer League this past weekend, the 4th of July weekend, was interesting. I watched a handful of games, and I saw a handful of players who actually impressed the hell out of me. And the reason why I actually watched Summer League and the reason why I take something from it is you can tell who's a man amongst boys on that court. The play across the board is not good. It's not very good, especially in Orlando. Can we get them a real-sized court? Come on, Orlando Summer League, step up. When you watch in Utah, it's like watching a different game because the Utah court is a full court in Las Vegas, which didn't start yet. They got a full court. In Orlando, they're playing on a practice court. Come on, step up a little bit. But besides the point, I checked out Utah, and I noticed two men on the Utah Jazz who were not on the same court as the rest of the players. And that's Dante Exum, a three-year player who's really a two-year player due to injury. He looked like he was playing a game on another level than everyone else on the court. Gordon Hayward leaves. Now Utah has all these guards. They have Ricky Rubio. They have Dante Exum. They have Neto. Eh, whatever. He's fine. And they have Donovan Mitchell, who I'll get to in a minute. They have these four guards, including Rodney Hood now, who's going to be a 2-3 hybrid, who can play the game of basketball a little bit. And let's see if Dante Exum, a top-five pick in the past, this is his true sophomore season, only averaged six points and two assists in his last season, can take a big jump with more responsibility. He was dominating everybody in Summer League. And Donovan Mitchell is another guy. You heard me talk about him on draft podcasts in the past. Big, big fan of his. He proved to be on another level in the NBA Summer League as well. Step back threes, contact layups, movement of the ball, lockdown defense. He's a combo guard that you want. He's not a Brandon Knight combo guard who can't guard a one or a two and can score a little bit and doesn't make anyone better. Donovan Mitchell is a guy who can guard a one and a two, makes people a little bit better, and can shoot and get to the rack. Donovan Mitchell, Utah Jazz, number 13 pick. Watch out for that dude. Next, Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, number one and number three. They will be locked at the hip for their careers. They're going to be compared side to side intensely. Deservingly so. Basically traded for each other. Now in the same conference, in the same division, facing off a lot, and they faced off in the summer league. Both impressed. Both scored. With touch around the rim and back by the arc. Good stuff for them. It was exciting to see. And last but not least, for summer league shout-out, Bam Adebayo in Miami. I personally 
did not like the pick. I did not get it. I was like, why are you putting this guy next to Hassan Whiteside? Basically a giant Bam Adebayo. Well, what did Bam Adebayo do in Summer League? He put up 29. Step back mid-range jumpers. Floaters over defense. Hook shots with both hands. Dunks like he was on a different court. Because let's be real, he was on another level than anybody in the Summer League. He was athletically gifted. He had way more touch than I expected. And what that proves to me is that guys who go to Kentucky aren't always asked to do everything that they can do. Bam Adebayo was asked to be a rim runner, rim protector, and rebounder at Kentucky. Just in a few summer league games, they're putting the ball in this guy's hand, letting him post and toast, fadeaways, step back in the mid-range, hook shots, and he made them with touch and smoothly. Bam Adebayo, shout out. Let's see if you bring it to the next level. Very cool to see some of these rookies play in the Summer League. And we got more Summer League to come. Are you excited to, to watch the Las Vegas Summer League when we get to see Lonzo Ball, Markel Fulchase, and Tatum? When we get to see Josh Jackson? I know Summer League ain't a big deal. But what's more exciting than seeing these young, young rookies who have promising futures in the NBA to see if they're even on the same level as any of these other rookies? Because you watch Markel Fultz and Jason Tatum, and you were like, wow, two best guys on the court, not even close. And sometimes they're competing with people who have been in and out of the NBA, who have played a year in the NBA, or have played three years overseas and been extremely productive. And then 20-year-old Jason Tatum comes in and is the best player on the court. It's kind of fun to watch. I know I enjoy it. So I'm going to look forward to that. I'm going to keep in touch with the Summer League. I know Utah is continuing at Orlando as well and Las Vegas in the coming weeks. So a lot to talk about there. But let's move on, because that's enough about Summer League. We don't need to waste your time with all that. We got names to talk about here. We got J.J. Reddick's going to Philadelphia. We have the Timberwolves going seemingly all in with a third-year player and a fourth-year player who haven't proved anything about winning yet. But what do they do? They added good pieces around them who have won some things before, who have made all-star teams. Jeff Teague. Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler. Exciting stuff there. But let's talk about the Knicks, right? Because this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. I'm Peter Kennedy, your host. We got to talk about our boys. We got to talk about the Knicks here. I got to sound off. I got a lot to say because I listen to talk radio. And like I said, I was down the shore. I was at the beach. So what it comes with the beach is some driving. And I had to drive down the shore. And what do I do when I drive? I listen to talk radio. I love it. I listen to it all the time. As you know, I bring it up often, you know, hearing points that I hear from whether it be hosts or uh, interviewees or callers. I think it's all interesting. That's my favorite thing about the world of sports. You can learn from everybody. You can hear somebody who has an opinion and you think, what the hell is that guy talking about? Maybe you've heard me say something where you go, is this guy for real? But then you can hear them say, the very next sentence, the very next point or take, whatever you want to call it, and you could completely agree with it. So that's what's so interesting. There's a million ways to look at sports, and there's so many angles and different opinions, and that's why this word take and hot take or whatever take you want to call it has been this big hype machine lately. You know, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, uh, the ongoing news cycle that doesn't stop with ESPN, Fox Sports 1, and all that stuff, CBS Sports, the takes don't stop. And sometimes callers make comments on the radio. And it sincerely makes me laugh. It sincerely makes me mad. It sincerely makes me question. But I love to hear it all because it makes me think. It makes me challenged to look at things from multiple perspectives. Now to give you my interpretations and observations from what I heard this weekend from hosts and callers and everyone in between, Knicks fans are torn right now. They sincerely are torn. Whether it be via Phil Jackson, who in my opinion, we need to stop talking about. The triangle's not a thing anymore. Jeff Hornacek is going to run his offense, not the triangle, which he didn't know until last year. Phil Jackson is not the GM anymore. 
The only thing we can talk about with Phil Jackson at this point is Christoph Porzingis, Willie Hernan Gomez, and Frank Nielakina. And if you really want to be a pain in my ass, bring up Melo's no trade clause. Sure, do it. But you know how I feel about that as well. But the tornness comes not only with Phil, but Carmelo. But let me touch on Phil Jackson first. You hear people call him. You hear people on Twitter. You hear hosts and writers, journalists, say Phil Jackson was the worst. He didn't do his job. He didn't care. He wanted to sabotage the New York Knicks. He did not try to be a good GM or president. All he wanted was the money. You hear those things, right? It's not just me. I, like, I hear people say that out loud on the radio. Not just callers, not just hosts, not just journalists. People across the map mixed in with others who feel the exact opposite. It's crazy to me. Now, I understand New York's this hype machine where anything can hit the fan and blow out of proportion. But this here, we're going to look back and say one of the most bizarre, bizarre tenures that we've ever seen. And New York Knicks fans are not short of bizarre encounters with players and management. Let's think Isaiah Thomas, bizarre. There was like legal issues. There was horrible on-court decisions made. We had Stefan Marbury on the squad. We had to buy him out. That dude was like a really talented player and then gone, right? So this is not new to New York Knicks fans. But this Phil Jackson thing is so interesting to me because some people say, you'll literally hear a guy back-to-back on the radio. He was horrible. Thank God he's gone. We're good now. We're going to start winning. We're going to make the right decisions. Now we're in the right direction. Salary cap's good. We got our draft picks. We're good. Thank God Phil Jackson is gone. He was the worst. Next guy calls in. You know what? Phil Jackson wasn't so bad after all. I'm still kind of happy he's gone, but you know what? I'm going to say this. If Frank Nielakina works out and poor Zingas becomes who we think he can be, Hernan Gomez is an NBA player, we got cap space, we got draft picks. Phil Jackson wasn't that bad. Maybe we'll look back in a couple years and say, hey, Phil, Good job. I guess we didn't appreciate you while you were here. Now think about those two little soliloquies I gave you there. Those are real opinions from real people. And they're exact opposites. That's how torn we are as Knicks fans right now. We don't know which way is up. We don't know who we want to sign if we want to sign anybody. You hear rumblings about Dion Waiters. And you go, you know what? He had a bounce back year. He actually had a pretty good season last year for the Heat. But then you think it's Deion Waiters. Him in New York sounds horrible. He's going to get eaten by the media. He's going to get eaten by the nightlife. He's not going to do anything positive for this team other than maybe make us not in the right spot of the lottery. Maybe help us win a few games. But it's going to be drama. And then the games that he helps us win, maybe we don't even need to win those. We want to be lower in the lottery, not higher. Well, I guess it depends which way you look at it, but you know what I mean. You hear these names and you get, you're get you curious. What's our direction? What are we really trying to do in this next season and in the next three to five seasons? I'll tell you this. And I've been talking a lot about the opinions I hear from others, whether it be friends, tweeters, callers, radio host, journalist. We're talking a lot about that, but here's my opinion now. Phil Jackson's gone. Get him out of your mind. Don't think about him. Don't talk about the triangle. Evaluate his draft picks. Sure, that's fine. Forget that he was here. We don't need the drama around us. And in my opinion, you hear Calipari, you hear Isaiah Thomas, they're all BS. Those are New York media hype machines pumping stuff out, making you think, making you get excited, making you get pissed off, and it works. Because it gets the Twitter machine moving. It gets your your blood boiling. Forget about it. The moments that I realize the Knicks are in a good place as far as management right now 
is when word comes out that Carmelo Anthony is willing to waive his no-trade clause for Houston or Cleveland. But then it comes out that Steve Mills, Steve Mills, yes, Steve Mills, the acting president and GM of the New York Knicks, who I think should be the number one candidate, he is not willing to trade Carmelo for a contract like Ryan Anderson from Houston, and he's not willing to trade it for Kevin Love from Cleveland. Because let's be real here. Carmelo Anthony, at this point in his career, yes, he brings the drama. I don't think you can say he's better or worse than Ryan Anderson or Kevin Love on a team right now. Kevin Love is better, a little bit, but what's he going to do other than make you win a few games and get a worse draft pick? And Ryan Anderson is just a little bit less expensive, so that helps, I guess. But what's he going to do? Rather than make you win the same amount of games or one or two more and get a worse draft pick? Nothing. And Steve Mills says to himself and to this team, and this is what I'm getting from him, we're not going to just give him to get crap in return, to get more, to get the same salary in return. There's no point in that. Hang him around here. Let him, let him hang out. And uh, we won't re-sign him in two years. Or, better yet, let's get his value up. Because our man Phil Jackson, who's out the door, ruined this guy's value. He ruined Carmelo Anthony's value. We all know that. That's one of the things that Knicks fans can agree on. We can also say that Melo didn't help himself beforehand, but that's besides the point. Steve Mills is making decisions now with not just short-term consequences in mind, but long-term. He tries to weigh the options between what does this mean for right now, for media and PR purposes, as well as what does this mean for team success in three to five years. And I can't say that I'm not happy. Everything that I've heard so far out of Steve Mills and that team, whether it be saying, we don't want to take Ryan Anderson on, we don't see a point in that, give us something better. We don't want to take Kevin Love on. We don't want to sign old free agents. We need assets and to be younger. And that's what we need. That's what Knicks fans can agree on. We can look in the mirror and say, we're not going to be a playoff team this year. And if we are, it's by the damn grace of the basketball gods. We need to do this right. We need to get assets. We need to get younger. We don't need a Ryan Anderson. We don't need a Kevin Love. They're not moving the needle the right way. They're moving a flatline. And flatlines are not the way the Knicks want to act right now. They need to move forward. They need to move on and then move up. So, so far, so good for Steve Mills, in my opinion. You hear rumbling about this name or that name, Derrick Rose coming back. And then you hear the rumbling about, we don't want Derrick Rose for that money, for that years. You don't want Ryan Anderson. We don't want Kevin Love. Give us something young. Give us some picks. We'll move forward as planned, as necessary, to try to make this team good in three to five years and keep an okay product with continual growth in this coming year. So I can't, I can't complain about what's going on with the Knicks right this minute. I can't. Can't do it. So I don't know if you agree about that one. Let me know at Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end. That's me on Twitter, so shout me out. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Hopefully you've been enjoying this episode here. And uh, as you <laughs> hopefully have noticed at this point, I'm going solo dolo on the podcast tonight. Had a nice 4th of July weekend. Enjoyed myself, sat on the beach, went out, had a good time. Nothing makes me happier than to come here and talk about NBA, talk about the Knicks. I shouted out the Mets and Yankees before, but there's not not too much for me to get into, especially me sitting here alone talking about the Mets and Yankees at this very point. Pretty cool judge and Sanchez in the, in the home run derby, but we'll get to that at a later date. This podcast right now is about NBA, the Knicks, free agency, and all of that. So hopefully you've been enjoying so far. Like I said, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast Especially those ratings and reviews, they mean a lot to me. I love doing this podcast. I have so much fun talking sports, talking NBA, talking MLB, NFL, which is around the corner. Especially keeping our little New York basis and loving the fact that we get listeners not just from the New York area, but stretching past New York, New Jersey, 
out into California, down in Florida, Texas, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, I appreciate your listen. So don't forget to hit us up on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, or Google Play. Tell us what you think. Tell, you, tell, tell me what you think about me, how I do the show, about what we cover, even a take of yours on any topic we may talk about. Shout us out. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Give us some stars. I'd love nothing more than to get some feedback from the listeners who show up every single week for the SBNY podcast. So thank you for always showing up, and hopefully you enjoy and appreciate what we do here on the SBNY podcast. And again, I'm Peter Kennedy. Hit me up on Twitter at Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end. But now it's time to talk about some of these other players. We talked about the Knicks. Talked about what we think they have to do. Or, like I mentioned, what I think they shouldn't do. What they should allow to just keep moving. No rush type of deal, right? Don't trade Melo for something that you're going to hate to have in a year or two. Wait, maybe his value goes up. If not, let it play out. The dude still likes to be here. It's not going to be as violent a situation without Phil and him literally calling out the star player on the team to the media the one time he talks to them. So, you know what? Let the man stay. We'll see what happens. KP is here. Frankie's going to start playing. There's some stuff to look forward to to about the Knicks. Got to make non-knee-jerk reactions and non-knee-jerk decisions on the part of the Knicks management. And so far, I don't think they've done that. I don't think they have made split decisions where they're going to regret it in the future. So, so far, so good. And let's hope it keeps moving well for the Knicks and from their perspective. So we talked a lot about Gordon Hayward. Talked a lot about some of the other names. Well, we, we mentioned them. We talked a lot about Gordon Hayward. We mentioned some of the other guys. And before we move on to talk about the likes of the Timberwolves and what they did with Jimmy Butler and what the Kings are doing, I think the Kings are so interesting about what they've done since the draft and now free agency. A lot of interesting things going on. And the Clippers now, too. They re-signed Blake Griffin. He gets a max deal. Now they're bringing in Danilo Gallinari with this weird three-team trade that's going on. That's also sending Jamal Crawford to Atlanta, where he may get bought out to send him to the open market. A lot of interesting stuff, as well as Paul Millsap to Denver, Kyle Lowry returning to to the Raptors, got Otto Porter signing a sheet with the Nets, with the Wizards have a chance to match. But the place I want to start is the Houston Rockets. Now, we talked about them on a recent episode of the podcast, and we mentioned them as we've gone on tonight. Daryl Morey is the GM of the Houston Rockets. And if you're not familiar with said GM, Daryl Morey, he's an analytics guy. That's what he gets known as around the league. But I have to tell you, he is more than an analytics guy. He is a guy who's not afraid to shoot his shot. He is not afraid to swing for the fences. Daryl Morey, in his tenure with Houston, has earned so much trust with this Rockets organization that he's been given the keys, he's been given an extension on his contract, and he has the keys to do anything he believes is the right move for the team and the organization. So what is his most recent move? He brings a multi-time all-star, all-NBA, all-defensive point guard in Chris Paul to the Rockets. Now, I've been critical of Chris Paul in the past. I say that he holds the ball too much. say he's not as clutch as people think he is. I think he gets selfish assist, which if you don't know what that means, hit me up on Twitter. I'll ex- gladly explain it to you. But he holds the ball too long, hunts for assist, don't think it's the best team basketball. And what do I say about James Harden? He impressed the hell out of me as a point guard for Houston under Mike D'Antoni this year. He was my vote for MVP. Totally accept the fact that he wasn't the MVP. He just would have been my vote. Shout out to Russell Westbrook. Deservingly so. Got the award. So when I first heard this trade for Houston, I got a little nervous. I loved Houston. I always root for them with James Harden. And then I got Chris Paul, who I've been critical of. Didn't see how it worked off the bat. I seen two ball-dominant guys Fantastic players, but ball-dominant players who like to be in control, who like to do everything they can to help their team win, but they like to do it themselves, right? James Harden got over that a little bit this past year, 
not just being one of the, actually the leading assist guy in the league, but the number of hockey assists that he got was impressive. The impact he had on the other players on his team, whether it be Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, was impressive. He inspired a type of basketball that you want to see played. He inspired ball movement. He inspired shooting your shot with confidence. And he inspired getting buckets, trying to win games. And that was great to watch for me. Now, how does it work when Chris Paul comes into town? That gets pretty interesting. But when you hear the word that James Harden and Chris Paul were actually in touch, and James Harden was very interested and proactive in helping Chris Paul get to Houston. It makes you think, are these two ball-dominant players able to set aside some of their ball dominance for the betterment of the team? Chris Paul is the one who made me nervous. The one who's been around the block more times than James Harden made me nervous. Though, let's remember, James Harden, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, played in the finals. But let's say without Durant, Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, James Harden has carried a team to the Western Conference Finals. That, my friend, is even further than Chris Paul has ever gone in the playoffs. Let's remember that. Say what you want about Chris Paul. James Harden, when it comes to playoff time, is more accomplished than Chris Paul. But then I think about Chris Paul and where he's at in his career and where he looked in the mirror and realized he wanted to go to Houston with a team with a winning culture as of late, with a GM willing to make the right moves, and a superstar, top five player in the league in my opinion, James Harden next to him. They're both going to have to take a little back. And maybe James Harden won't average 30 and 12. And maybe Chris Paul won't average 20 and 11. But if they each get a few stats back, but help a few other guys, Trevor Ariza, Nene, who's back for more, Clint Capella, who's still with the squad, and so on and so forth. I mean, they're going to miss Patrick Beverly. Still got Eric Gordon. They get these guys going a little more. They continue their success that they've had for so long. They can be a really interesting team for the second best team in the league. James Harden was fried last year against San Antonio in the playoffs. and He got beat straight up. Didn't have the energy to play with those boys after what he did for 82 games. After what he did for round one. Now he's got a guy to defer to. To feel comfortable sitting on the bench for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game. Chris Paul, same thing. Chris Paul didn't trust Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, even though he should have trusted Blake more. What are you going to do with DeAndre Jordan? You can't trust him to be on the floor when you're not to carry a team. This is what LeBron James struggled with in the championship, in the NBA Finals. He sat down for five minutes. Shit hit the fan. James Harden had the same type of system with Houston. Not against OKC because Russ had even worse of a problem. But besides the point, not talking about OKC right now. James Harden can sit for 10 minutes. Chris Paul takes over. Chris Paul sits for 20 minutes. He's a little older. James Harden can be the best player on the team, best player on the floor, best player in the league at certain points. A lot of intrigue there for Houston. A lot of intrigue. So I'm excited to watch them play. Just goes more towards the point of NBA storylines that you don't believe exist, that you don't want to believe are there. These are there. Now, you know how I feel about the Warriors. I think they are unbelievably run. I think they're the best team I've ever seen. Easy. Best team I've ever seen. I'm not that old, but they're the best team I've ever seen in my life. Easy money. Move the ball better. Play better defense. Shoot better. Unbelievable. Am I saying these teams are going to beat them? No, but I am saying these teams are interesting. These teams are moving in a positive direction. These teams are setting themselves up to compete as well as they can. They ain't giving up. They're trying to win games next year. They're trying to make a run. And you got to respect that. you got to appreciate that because you don't know what's going to happen. Super teams don't last forever. And if there was no Houston pushing on the back of the Warriors, even a little bit, it'll make the NBA even worse. So appreciate that the Houstons, the Minnesotas, the Denvers, the Sacramentos are trying to win more games than they did last year. They're trying to compete with better teams 
better than they did last year. You have to appreciate that. And let's talk about some of those teams. Are you shocked that the Minnesota Timberwolves are putting all the chips on the table right now? Jimmy Butler joined the Minnesota Timberwolves. If Jimmy Butler was in the East, he's a top, I'll say top four. Because he's not better than LeBron. I'm not taking him before Giannis. But I think you can put him right before John Wall, right before Kyrie, or right after John Wall, right after Kyrie. It's right there. But he's probably a little bit better than Gordon Hayward. It's probably close. Let's say top five. Jimmy Butler is now maybe top 12 in the West. Isn't that bizarre? You got Steph, Kevin, Russell, James, Paul George is right next to Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, maybe maybe he's top 10. Kawhi Leonard. I keep forgetting him. He's so quiet. Jimmy Butler is now the assassin on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now Jimmy Butler can also refocus on defense a little bit, can show Andrew Wiggins what it's like to make playoff runs, what it's like to win games consistently, what it takes to keep your body right to be a winner. And we're talking about Andrew Wiggins here. Just averaged 20 points a game last year. Like I said, it didn't translate to wins. But this guy has the ability to be a good defender. Has proven he can score 20 points a game. And is only getting better. What did I say about Gordon Hayward? He hit 26 made an all-star team. He was good when he was 24 and was scoring still 19 points a game. He was great last year as a 26-year-old. Andrew Wiggins is going to hit that 24 in the next year. This is only his fourth year in the league. This is the time where you make your big step. You get in as a rookie, you're good. You take a step in year two. Maybe you settle a little bit in year three. Year four? There comes a big step. And if you look at Carl Anthony Towns, his running mate, you can expect him to hit that step a little earlier than others. If I was a betting man, I'm betting on Carl Anthony Towns being an all-star next year. Being a true all-star. And that's with Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis, who I didn't mention when I was talking about the top players in the West before, because they're almost an afterthought during this offseason. Carl Anthony Towns should be an all-star this year. 22 to 25 with 12 boards? Getting that much smarter on defense? getting that much better at shooting, passing, dribbling, and rebounding? That dude's going to be an all-star. That dude's the best person on the Timberwolves, and he has steps to take. He has many steps to take still. So you look at that lineup, Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Carlton Towns, Nemanja Bielitsa, Georgie Jang. You know, you think about some of their other pieces, maybe not so exciting. Think about those four. That's a four right there where you put them on the court, and you're trying to win basketball games. Tom Thibodeau has to have them playing defense. And let's think about this. If the Minnesota Timberwolves don't make the playoffs this year, how big of a disappointment is it? On a percent scale, hit me up on Twitter, at pkennedy2wise at the end. Hit me up at sportblognyc. Tell me what you think. If the Timberwolves don't make the playoffs... How much of a disappointment is that on a scale of 1 to 100, 100% scale? Because in my eyes, that's a 95% disappointment. I'll leave 5% for the West being amazing and the Timberwolves just missing. I'll leave 5% for catastrophic injury. But you look at this team and their moves and what they've done, they need to win games this year. Because you can say what you want about the Warriors being a super team and the Cavs are going to be walking to the finals. You need to walk before you can crawl. And before three years ago, before the Warriors won 73 games, before they even won their first championship, they made a playoff run. Maybe not as far as they would have liked, but they were there. They battled. They got beaten. You need to walk before you can crawl. So yeah, maybe the Warriors don't get taken down this next year. But how would Carl Anthony Towns 
be able to make a playoff run without ever making the playoffs. The Timberwolves have to make a run. They have to be in the fight. Maybe they're a six seed, seven seed. If they're lucky, a three, four, five. Don't see it. I see six, seven. They need to be there. They need to battle for a seven-game series against the same team. See what they're made of in the most stressful of situations. I look at Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost to the Toronto Raptors. They didn't make it out of the first round, but they battled. They won a couple games. Giannis was the best player on the court. You think he's going to just go in the playoffs and make a run to the championship? Nope. You need to get beat in the playoffs. You need to be there for the chance to win. You don't just make it and go straight to the top. LeBron James knows that. You got to be there. You got to fight. You got to battle. You got to grow from year to year to year to year. And the Timberwolves, this is a year to grow into the playoffs. Maybe you only make the second round if you're lucky. But then when you get one year past that, and Carlton Towns is truly a top player in this league, and Wiggins is even better, and Jimmy Butler's still great in his prime, then you say, let's go. This is our time. But you got to be in it to win it. And the playoffs now brings you further than another trip to the lottery. I have all the confidence in the world to say that. The lottery's great, and if you hit, you're a winner. Maybe you get the right guy who brings your team to the championship, brings it to a conference finals, brings it to the playoffs. But couldn't you say the Timberwolves got those guys? They got Wiggins, they got Towns. They haven't won anything yet. Now starts the winning. You don't want to live in the lottery forever. I know people say the middle of the NBA is the worst place to be, but you got to be there before you get to the top. You don't go from the bottom to the top in one day, in one season, in two seasons even. It's steps. And that brings me to the Sacramento Kings. I love what the Sacramento Kings have done. They drafted De'Aaron Fox, a guy who every scout, even if they didn't say he's the best player or the best point guard or should have been drafted higher, no, they say he's an amazing man, amazing young man with great talent, great ability, should be a true all-star point guard in this NBA. They drafted him. They pick up George Hill, a winner in this league for years and years, a guy who Greg Popovich had to literally get, like give up all his strength to trade. I mean, it turned into Kawhi Leonard, so it worked out for Pop, but he speaks so highly of this man, George Hill. Had to trade him for a 15 pick, for a first-round pick. Heard him to do it. What has George Hill done since? After playing for one of the most winningest organizations in my lifetime, San Antonio Spurs, went to Indiana, made playoff runs, went to Utah, and put them over the hump to make the playoffs and to win a playoff series. George Hill's a winner. George Hill can teach. He can help De'Aaron Fox learn, help Sacramento learn how to be winners and professionals. Kings also got a Harry Giles in the draft. Love that, right? Who do they have with him? Zach Randolph. Great and grinder. He's old. He don't help the team like he used to. But he in Memphis proved that he's more than just a body who rebounds and gets a couple buckets. He's a warrior who inspires. He's a guy you want around Harry Giles. He's a guy you want around Will Cauley-Stein. He's a guy you want around anybody. Guy with fight, guy with grit. Now, I don't think the Kings are ready to make the playoffs. I don't think they're a playoff team. But like I said for the Timberwolves, to make the playoffs is a big step forward. For the Kings to get out of one of the worst teams in the league and to get out of being a laughingstock of the NBA, they need to go from picking number three in the draft to picking maybe even 12 to 15. Because you don't go from a bottom five team in the league to a top five team in the league. There's got to be an in-between. These players can inspire the steps forward, the steps upward. These players can inspire De'Aaron Fox to be great, to when George Hill's no longer with the Kings, probably, 
to when Zach Randolph is probably retired. De'Aaron Fox to be a top point guard in the league and actually carry the Sacramento Kings. But how does he learn that? If he is asked to be the leader, the man, the myth, the legend from day one, it takes a lot longer. So they've made these moves now to surround him with winners, with professionals, and I love it. They're going to win more games. They're not going to get as good a pick as they have in the past. But they're going in the right direction. You better believe it. And they drafted Justin Jackson, too. That's a great move. Gotta love it. Gotta, gotta love it. So let's finish off with the Sixers, because I forgot to talk about them. I'm only going to spend like five more minutes on this podcast. We've already gone to an hour. Hopefully you've enjoyed. Definitely talk about a lot. Love to hear from you guys at NYC on Twitter, as well as my personal Twitter, at Pete Kennedy. That's with two Ys on the end. Last thing I want to talk about is Paul George to Oklahoma City. Talked about the Western GMs shooting their shot, right? Another example. Sam Presti, shoot your shot. Sam Presti looked in the mirror and said, we had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook a game away from a championship, and we lost our best player. Sam Presti said, we did all we could to make that team great, and we lost the best player. Sam Presti says, we got a guy in Russell Westbrook who proved some loyalty to us. Keyword, Proved some loyalty to us. Some loyalty. He knows that Russell Westbrook ain't tied to Oklahoma City forever. He is already ingrained in the history of Oklahoma City Thunder. And if you don't think it's a possibility for him to leave after his contract's up, then you're crazy. So what did Sam Presti do? He pulls in Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis. What people are calling a fleece job. A complete ripoff for Paul George while they laugh at Danny Ainge for not pulling the trigger. Worked out, I guess, they got Gordon Hayward. But Paul George comes to Oklahoma City now. Russell Westbrook and Paul George are two dynamic, dominant, could be the best player on the court any given night. Oftentimes are. You may not have Paul George for more than a year. Odds are you probably won't. So many links to him to L.A., this, that, the other thing. You might not have Russell Westbrook for more than a year. Links to L.A. If he's not winning, he might be leaving. A lot can happen in a year. But Sam Presti takes a chance, takes a risk, tries to win more games than he did the year before. And when you complain, and when I say you, I don't mean you specifically listening right now. When that person, that NBA complainer, starts hating, tell him to look at the Western Conference GMs shooting their shot, taking a chance on big players, taking a chance on trying to win basketball games. And tell them if they don't appreciate that, there's nothing left for us to say. There are franchises left and right trying to win more games than they did before. And that's all you can ask for. Now, Paul George on Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook on Oklahoma City kind of feels a lot like Russ and Kevin Durant, except Paul George isn't as good as Kevin Durant. So what are they going to be? They're going to be a playoff team. Absolutely. And if you think otherwise, just remember that Russell Westbrook brought this team to the playoffs without Paul George, and he's by far the best player on the team besides Russ. Not even close, and you're losing a second-year power forward and a so far underperformer in his career in Victor Oladipo who can't really shoot. Now they signed Patrick Patterson, not a great player, but a guy who can shoot, stretch the floor, They're doing things to try to win games. Got to appreciate that. Now, lastly, let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. I liken them to the Minnesota Timberwolves in the sense that they have these young guys who we like, who NBA scouts like, who have shown flashes of very quality play. Some have shown flashes of fantastic NBA play. That's Joel Embiid. Now, I am predicting the rookie of the year to come out of Philadelphia Now, you may think when I say that, I say Markel Fultz. Nope. Ben Simmons is coming back. We have Ben Simmons, Dario Saric, Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, you got to say it every time, and now J.J. Redick with a bunch of guys who are hungry in the league. A bunch of guys who want to be in the NBA. Robert Covington, T.J. McConnell, Timothy Luau Cabrero, guys who appreciate every moment they have in the NBA, who want to win, 
who have a coach in Brett Brown who inspires them to win. That team had no business winning as many games as they won last year. They won 30 games. That's not good. But for that team, for that roster, they played all right. They played well. They competed night in and night out. Granted, they lost way more games than they won. You got to appreciate what they're doing now. They got talent coming together. They got the first pick in the draft, Markel Fultz, who impressed the hell out of me in summer league. You got Ben Simmons, who I couldn't be more excited to watch this year. You got Jay Jaredic, a professional, a winner, and a guy who's played amongst some of the best players in the NBA. Now, I love my Knicks, and I'll watch every single game, but I will be tuning in to the Sixers storyline as much as I can this year. Absolutely. So, if you couldn't tell by the end of this podcast, I definitely have a ton to look forward to this NBA, and I hope you do as well. And hopefully you enjoyed the little breakdown I gave about teams across the league and players across the league. And I will tell you this, I have high expectations. But other than expectations, I have great intrigue in this NBA rookie class. From Fultz to Ball to Jackson and Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Frank Nielakina, Dennis Smith, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo. There's guys all across the end of the first round and second, second round that I can't even mention that I'm excited to watch. We've got some guys coming in this league who are going to make an impact for years to come. ton to look forward to in the NBA. Say what you want. Two teams, super team, this and that. There are storylines in this league. And I love to keep up with them. I love to watch them. And judging by Twitter and judging by ESPN and judging by what I see on TV and what I hear on the radio, I ain't alone in this. And if you're listening to this podcast at this point at one hour and seven minutes, I know that you enjoy it too. So thank you so much for tuning in, for listening all the way to this point. And I want to hear from you. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, as well as Google Play. And don't forget to hit me up on Twitter at SportBlogNYC. Or at my personal Twitter, at Pete Kennedy with two Ys on the end. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you're excited. Tell me if I'm full of shit. Tell me if you think the NBA is still trash. Meanwhile, I gave you probably 15 great reasons to keep up with it. And that's probably lowball in there, too. Tell me what you think. Love to hear from you. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Go Knicks and hope they don't blow it before free agency ends. Lots to look forward to. More podcasts coming week in, week out. Always here to give you what you need about New York sports and everything else outside of it. Hopefully you enjoyed. Have a good day.